Welcome to Beatitudes Radio Podcast. My name is Tony Manier. I will be your host, and I am joined by... All right, so the, one of the ideas Tapporn. I'm playing with, welcome on a Sunday morning. Thank you. I can't believe we're sitting here. I got a jacket on. You got a sweater on. <laughs> it's a little chilly. Yeah. yeah, it's a little chilly in here. <laughs> so, and also, we are joined by our... You know, we never come up with a official title for you yet, Charity. What, what, what? I'm an enigma, so, you know. Okay, so we are joined by Charity Gleason Davis, <laughs> the enigma. <laughs> wow. So I didn't call her that. She called herself, so, so I think that makes it okay. <laughs> you think? Yeah, anytime you want to change that, go ahead. So, okay. however, what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be continuing the process we started last Sunday. And that was looking at the story of the nativity, the story of the birth of Jesus, which is very appropriate during the time of Christmas. Agreed. It's a perfect time to do that. And last Sunday, we looked at Matthew chapter 1. Today, we are looking at Matthew chapter 2. Okay. And as I was preparing for this, I, I felt like the Grinch. Jesus the Grinch. I Why? Well... When I look at Matthew chapter 2, I think about all of those times that I have seen and participated in these Christmas nativities. Pageants. Yes. Okay. And that alone, think about that. You just called it a pageant. You didn't call it a play or a skit. You called it a pageant. Uh-huh. So it, it takes on a more of an ominous, wouldn't you think, feel than just a, a regular school play that takes place? True. Yeah. But why does that make you feel like the Grinch? Well, I think about all those warm feelings I have when I remember those things, right? I mean, they're childhood memories. Those are awesome. And, and your heart grows two times bigger or whatever. Yeah, and, and I mean, and it's, I mean, I remember, well, one of the disadvantages of being a minister is you're always behind the pageant, so you really can't see much. But there occasionally were times where I could actually watch it. And it was just fun watching the kids and their parents. Everyone's all excited. Okay. And then here we are looking at Matthew chapter 2, and mm-hmm. it's like, this is almost like this sacred Jesus pageant, and I feel like we're going to be poking holes at it. Are we deconstructing Jesus, it? Well, I want to read it. Okay. And if I read it, I mean, really read it, I start seeing things that weren't in the script that we had when we were doing the pageant. Okay, like what? Well, for example, when I look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, mm-hmm. it says that the Magi came to Jesus' home. Yes. There's no Bethlehem. Yes. I found the same discrepancies, too. Right. So should we just say, hey, this is... Uh, this has been a great podcast, a little on the short side, and end it right now. No. But what does that do to all of these wonderful That's what I wanted to ask you. Why would the author of Matthew do this? I don't think the question is, why did the author of Matthew did it? My question is, why did we do it? Embellish it? Yeah. I mean, for example, 
I mean, all the Christmas pageants are, you take Matthew 1 and 2, and you take Luke 1 and 2, and you bring them together. Yeah. Right? Right, because there's no, no other mentions. And that's, and that's the pageant. Right. That's, that's the beauty of it. But yet, even there, everything happens at the, you know, in, in the stable, in the manger. Mm-hmm. The wise men show up, everyone shows up, and... It, it, I think the majority Jesus of well, I shouldn't say majority. I think there's a lot of people who believe that's really what happened. It all took place in the right, stable. Right. But Jesus, when I look at the text, all of a sudden I realize that of all the gospels, yes, Matthew is the only one that talks about these magi. Is it? Yep. And there is no shepherds. That's in Luke. Yes. So if you're reading, if you were going to do a pageant. Oh, that, so that's my question for you. Could we or should we ever do a pageant based upon just the Gospel of Matthew or just the Gospel of Luke? Or would that be like, you know what I mean? How would parents feel? Well, it would certainly upset a lot of people, I think, if yeah. you change the story that much. So why, again, that goes back to my question. Why are we even talking? Charity? Should we even be talking about this stuff? People find it very important, and I think that we need to continue to have the conversation around it and explore it further and see if we can understand it better. Well, see, earlier I had a discussion with a group of people, and at one church I was pastoring, true story, this church I was pastoring, um, in some part in the service I said, for those families that do not believe in Santa Claus, and that was the wrong thing to say. I got letters. I got I had this one guy who quit coming to church for a few weeks. And they felt like I had touched an area that should is untouchable. Sacred. Yes. Um, I could talk about all sorts of other things. But don't touch Santa. But don't touch Santa. And so in some ways, that's why I wonder with this Christmas story, is we are so accustomed to seeing it in some way. What is... You know, you said it, it's helpful, it's valuable. What is it helpful and valuable? Welcome. About Welcome kind of looking the lines at the text one, two, and actually three. reading it very carefully. Today's a different take well, on our between listeners the and lines. Right now it can is text going to be in called questions or a answers to your question. Look. My name how is Tony. Right? How do they do I, that? As at usual, I'm your host. But today we're going to be looking at seven four and I'll get your at the stories and questions found right here and I will Christianity pass them on. Okay, so not only can they the get it then they can Jesus. If they're watching us on a platform and they don't want to These stories have been repeated, platform, they can text that to us. And what's the number one more time? Four eight zero understood in a variety three, of ways. Eight, nine. But to help us understand them today, I have my partner with me. There it is. Her name is Janelle Tapworn. So if you forget the number, just look at that. Janelle has a master's in journalism. And she brings a way of looking at the text. So as I read Matthew chapter 2, I can't. I made a mistake and really read it close. Not only do I have to wear reading glasses, but also, we don't know how many wise men there were. Correct. It's never and the part of that tainting, Janelle, Could have been is many. I did some yes. work. Uh, I got my PhD on how studies. Study. So Jesus now I see everything was. just kind of like whoop in yes. that direction. Maybe some of them had to stay outside. But Maybe. you bring guess, a different guess perspective what? with your master's in journalism. There's no camels. So what I'm hoping really? you'll yeah. do is oh. no camels kind of in Matthew. Okay, use your so, so they could ride donkeys to help us see things maybe right? that we normally don't see. They could have taken a bus. No. <laughs> you willing to do that? <laughs> and if I make big mistakes, you'll correct it. Yeah. But or, we or maybe it was Thank a camel you. bus. Uh, uh, and also we have with us. 
our sidekick. We do know that um, they are from the east, I was going to call her though. a host, yes. but she's but well, that. that. But <laughs> then you have to even stop and think Charity, about the word east. Gleason mm-hmm. Davis, you know, for, for the ancients and has experience in social media. media. Kind of like this she is just getting ready to launch her new place. podcast. Oh. And that's and actually where also wisdom resides in the area of taking questions from individuals. Then you begin to even think about if you are watching us on Facebook Live, you have the opportunity to send in messages. Charity will get those and send those in our direction. Literally, they have as least as much Queen as Sheba. possible, the some Queen kind of, of a dialogue taking place. The East. Also, uh-huh. Charity has done and a she lot of work comes in to study in the area of feminism. What um, if Matthew so was trying Charity, to I just I'm going to go on the assumption the that that is a perspective like, you are more than willing to share with us. Not just Jews, not just Gentiles. But <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well, by cap, by so I literally the am uh, not the rose between uh, the thorns, but literally the thorns between these two beautiful yeah, I, women. I would hold on that. <laughs> and so just hold on trouble. because I, I am in trouble, especially okay. on this text. Because if Ma- in Matthew again, chapter one, the, 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 week, if Matthew the chapter that we're focusing on today, that's his primary is right. Divided actually so into two parts. Then the question is: in Verse we'll one, it, why we have what is the the an account of the genealogy yeah. of Jesus? That's a great question. And then down in verse eighteen, we have the okay, word. Here's now another the one. Birth that I, I, when I was reading the text. That now really here's what I find fascinating. Just star mm. is that oh. yes, because what of your deep well, knowledge <laughs> of Greek. Right. When I look at the star, yeah. the yeah, assumption yeah, yeah. You learned that in journalism, that after didn't you? After Jesus, I learned Hebrew. All of after a sudden, you Hebrew, special see, star appears. Yeah, where'd you go to mm-hmm. get your journalism degree? And, and the degree? world view that I get is that the star Region is like... Region University. Yeah, probably touch a Greek. Yeah. All the way. So like in verse 1, it like, says, an account um, of yeah. the genealogy of Jesus. <laughs> and then the, it just the hangs Greek word Lantern there for right account is the exact same word. But then it got even more found in verse 18. In that the, the distances that separate the stars from so the earth. W- the translator mm-hmm. and then I read this to guy translated two different ways. This is the disadvantage so, of reading. But it's fascinating that it almost <laughs> no, creates no, kind of this read, divide between <laughs> chapter one really through seventeen thing, right? and well, then it eighteen. It makes life more complicated by using this and confusing word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it's so more than just. Here's what he said about this: a word that is saying light travels out the approximate rate of a hundred and eighty-six thousand miles. So it's of Jesus in the genealogy second but then yes. in verse 18 this means it's the beginning that the light of the, the star that we Jesus. see from so our vantage point story in this, this chapter Earth into two mm-hmm. parts was actually the first part at a time the in the distant past and so Janelle my and question is, is only for you can now you just very quickly the point where we can see it um, at least take yeah. us back four or five right? generations right. on your okay. genealogy so he goes further no so if God had wanted to announce the birth of Jesus with a star emitting light for us to see Two generations, isn't it? God yeah, would have had to create the star, that yeah, star. That's a lot. That's a lot. So Millions of years before the birth of Jesus, where the light question. to reach our because eyes in the year 4 BC. First of all, the which closest thing the that I can think of that when it comes to this. So yeah. Jesus, would I mean, be literally, horses. God would have had to sit there and go, okay. Let me pull and out my why? calculator. Well, think about it. The, how this being works. able to trace <laughs> how much time ahead of time do I have to make this star a, position a, a very oh. prominent mirror to be able so to that trace their when Jesus their lineage is born, the star will appear at the auction. It goes up, and then. So if you, you had been able to follow star, your genealogy, maybe so your value would have gone up when you met your husband. Very, very. You don't think so. 
Otherwise, how the magi? That, that wasn't. I mean, how the magi keep up? <laughs> 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 that you know, you didn't, didn't, have you didn't show them the genealogy ahead of time. Said, oh, by right. the way, here it is. <laughs> I still well, think, I think your question bus. is really good oh, okay. because when you think well, about it, how did they remember you know, all do you these know what names? I mean? It's yeah, were they so if, it if you so you're applying yeah, no, 21st century right? So it's what orally passed scientific well, knowledge. What's fascinating is is if you look at the genealogy of Matthew Shame chapter on one and compare well, it with Luke. <laughs> that's yes. what you're doing, it's right? Totally different. Yeah, so yes. why should out. we yes. not and that's keep the story? And or I don't understand. Keep the tradition and alive. And another thing that's fascinating is in verse uh, so let's just do the 17. Ostrich. It says, From uh, Abraham to yeah. David, there are Stick 14 generations. From David same. to the, <laughs> okay. the exile, so that's another 14. Okay. Um, and then from the, the Bible is Babylon to, to the Messiah, which is Jesus. And so that's why we should 14, 14, 14. But did you count all of them? I'm going to add to this. No, even I when uh, well, there's 42 we can, look but back if at you it take 14 times three, right? So they're right. This in a but if you count between verses 12 and verse 16, and there's only 13. A lot of times, those scientific yeah. things that we can explain now, they can explain it. The so they explained it with yeah. supernatural. Because okay. we understand it. Matthew goes to who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we can look back at it. He starts with Abraham. Exactly. Because if you look in verse 1, so before we make that transition, you know, Charity, one it's of the things possible. that I find fascinating mm -hmm. that is, genealogies, not um, only in Bishop the, John Shelby the writers retired the new, in the first century, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but even in the Hebrews, he, because if you go back in the time of Israel and look into at the Hebrew Bible, in his area, yes. you'll find different genealogies. And it, it almost oh. became a, a For example, model Genesis that I wanted to chapter follow. 5 has you know, a genealogy that is very, and then very came back out close teaching. Mm -hmm. in the way it begins. And one of the things that Spong says is that here in Matthew chapter Even one. without what so you just there's this about, idea Jerry, out there that century. genealogies the were not to be understood we literally, inter almost interactive oh. with it. They were to he, be What missed. Bishop Spong points out so is that we are actually uh, um, excellent question. reading it from wrong. a journalist. I just continue <laughs> to be okay, amazed how? by you, Janelle. All right, look Peter, at it, saying because it says right there at the beginning, it says the genealogy the of Jesus, and then Jewish understanding. He, the first thing he says after Jesus is and what? instead, we read it from a uh, non-Jewish understanding. Oh, For uh, example, in uh, Isaiah chapter 60, the son of David, the son of Abraham. he believes this creates yes. the foundation. No, right, right after Jesus, it says an account of the genealogy For of the Jesus. story that the, the writer David, of uh -huh. Matthew Keep going. created. Okay. Abraham and was so the father if of Isaac. in Matthew, okay, I mean in Isaiah You're, chapter sixty, what translation are you looking at? Well, read uh, read the whole verse one. Maybe I'm missing for your light has come or maybe your the glory of the Lord rises. What do you read the whole verse one? Too. See, darkness right. covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord Christ. rises ah, upon there you, and His word. glory appears Christ. over oh. you. Okay. You ready this? So what? What? Christ Why is that significant? will come. Yeah. Christ in the Greek is Christos, your, mm -hmm. which means the anointed, and which means kings. The and immediately so the you realize that the writer of Matthew is speaking okay. to a particular And so what Shelby group. argues yes. is yes. that who this became the this text, yes. applying it the into Jewish Matthew. community. 
Isn't That's where the Luke whole idea of kings, the that they were yeah. we three kings. Okay. So what a great yes. way to right? start it out. So he thinks that's where that comes not in. Not only but is he speaking to the Jewish the Christians, but he's also speaking story in to the Jews mm-hmm. who are not believers. So this is kind of a polemic to encourage what people. What happened in Isaiah. Yeah. As, exactly. as bringing the two and not only pandering, you were but never he's basically kind of putting it right into your face saying, look, the writer never intended Jesus to look at this as being an actual true account. Then how do you, you would realize that argument like, by <gasps> saying that he oh my, is the son of yes. Abraham, Abraham. You have this oral which cult, is the father stories, of and all of a sudden Israel. You realize, right? Oh, so that's why Matthew wants to focus more, and, it, and it's not on only Abraham. That. Whereas um, Luke, mm-hmm. like you were saying, here's another. He one. wants to take it back in Isaiah father, chapter sixty, uh, all the way back. That then you will look the Gentiles, and your heart will throb and swell with. This is a perfect the wealth way, on then. the seas now, will be brought to son of David. To you, the mm-hmm. riches of the nations David is will come, the ultimate king. Herds yep. of camels right? he's, he's the, the, will the man. cover your land. <laughs> Young camels and of Midian. He's the dude? <laughs> <laughs> okay, what, so, Sardi, what movie was that? That's where this idea the dude? of camels came in. <laughs> Sounds like Again, from the prophecy. Sounds yes. Like so it's as if <laughs> no. What was it? The, there was a the, there was a movie people with saw um, the connection. Jeff, yeah. Jeff but Daniels. Then, ah, no, no. Say the, it again. Instead of the big Lebowski, there is this connection the between these two. Well, that's, then they that's started the son of David. He's the dude, right? Rather and than realizing so, everything is going to go back to Matthew was the son of David who comes from yeah. the son to make us remember yes. Isaiah chapter sixty. Yes. Of our first hmm. And okay. to see that this what Isaiah fifty sixty is talking about. Is being fulfilled. Yes. That is our comment. In yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Well, wonderful. How do you right. feel about that? And um, then I it, think here's awesome. another one. Tread I, lightly. I, it's from your wife. And all oh. from Sheba will come, <laughs> bearing. Hey, Karen. Hey, Janelle. Can I stay at your place tonight? <laughs> um, you got it. You Where's and Dave have an extra Where's room. No, we don't. Uh, <laughs> there's some that suggests he's also referring. I got a tent. I could pitch it back there. I would be okay. And fight. Ooh. With Balaam and yes. Well, text back to the wife. And. That she's it, spot on, star, and I would agree with her, that the majority of genealogies uh, are very male-centric. Yeah. Uh-huh. However, so you get this in idea Matthew chapter that 1, this genealogy, maybe these <coughs> texts were never to presents be read five literal women. And we yes. five are women. doing but a disservice. Five. But only uh-huh. five. By bringing so a non-Jewish perspective, from a feminist perspective, and just assuming you deal that with the that, way that because it isn't just the men, there are five women who is are how the text works. Does that, and first hmm. of all, that from a feminist perspective, yeah. does they that all change your Sheba? idea the or your views at all? of Sheba? Yes. Not Sheba a whole was lot, known because, yeah, they're for mentioned, but they're mentioned mirth. as tied to men. For its production uh-huh. and its abundance of They're not of mentioned mirth. in their Sheba. own way. Yes. Okay. No, well, the area, the, the queen point. of Sheba. So, oh, okay. so Sheba becomes this idea. So the many things people the think numbers. that's where the myrrh comes from. Um, huh. So I, I then you would have frankengold. Frank I, I think part of it is probably the culture. Uh-huh. If you understand the culture so at that time, to, a, to even bring women into the equation is is taking a quote uh, right. from Spong. Uh, yeah, he says the yeah, story yeah, of the 21st Magi century is a classic first century. That, mm-hmm. I mean, you're making like quite a statement. Oedipus. I find what's fascinating yeah. is the women Oedipus that you would Rex, think yeah. would be Oedipus in the Messiah's genealogy and such stories contain truths that speak of us, whether or not they are Rebecca. Right. I understand none the story of, of Magi Where's as a Esther? parable, Where's a religious Deborah story that teaches none of a lesson. 
And then he right. goes so on. What are if mentioned, you're though, a are four Gentile, women. The first one is in Jew, verse three. And start reading Tamar. Matthew's gospel yeah. and don't know anything about the Jewish in scriptures. Verse five, Rahab. The Jewish traditions. The third one or is the Jewish also in verse five. Yes. And in verse try to six, you have literalize the wife that of Uriah. Story. Which sure. it, I and when you do, <laughs> they don't Listen even give her a name. But and when you do, oh yeah, it not. makes uh, literal. I mean, we know her name nonsense. from the Old Testament, right? Bathsheba. <laughs> right. So, uh, as so I how was reading it, I kind of like if you wanted, if you all of a sudden a all you were, were was the uh, the wife. Matthew is trying to be David. literal. It's almost like he's forcing yes, the story. You know to match the prophecies. I kind of am. He's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, but that, what if that was the way <laughs> you were one chapter. Oh, we first, <laughs> yes. I need to make sure. <laughs> I, 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 okay, I am the wife of two chapters because he starts in one with the genealogy. But how would you feel I if that's... prove that How you were referred to all the time. Prophecies have come that, true through yeah, this that, person. No, that and that so I'm going to cram why. these in but all this one story But what's interesting, though, is we still see elements of this even in the 21st century. Maybe not as prominent anymore. But what I find fascinating is... Misses his point, and we did miss a comment a little bit earlier. And someone now you pointed kept out your that last the star name, was actually a triple you conjunction did. of three planets. Yeah, I, I did heard also. I've also heard theories uh -huh. that it was a quasar. My wife did not. So uh -huh. why would he? And so she, uh, Karen, so she story. in some ways well, if he's is trying still to match being the prophecy, following this right. by calling herself about Mrs. the light. Manier. Right. Why is that significant? It's a way of saying she is the wife to of that Tony Manier. Like yes. So but I find that fascinating. Yeah, I think that she's not brought up. Bathsheba's name is not brought up. That so there's the fourth, and the last one is found in Matthew, verse 16. Mary telling us about not Jesus. Yet. Yeah, but it's more and than that. Just, well, yeah, Jesus. What Matthew is doing is retelling the story of Moses. Oh, how so? As Jesus, Jesus is the new Moses. Okay. So it's Explain. one of those what what Moses did, Jesus does better. Oh. <laughs> right? Moses 2.0. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if, again, that goes back to the whole Jewish tradition. And I, I think that's what's fascinating is that we, you know, the comment that was made, you can take current 21st century knowledge and science and use that to explain the text. And to uh, commenter's point that we have now, the world of metaphor is what makes spiritually us uh, spiritually alive. Our lives are metaphor. Our souls are metaphor. Mm. Wow. So, so hey, that, that's awesome. And then, so what's cool about that is if it's if it is that emphasis on metaphor, mm -hmm. can we still have Christmas pageants? Mm. Or sure. Yes. Yes. And could it be that the pageants actually become more alive for us? Because we don't have to set. Okay. You know what I mean? Right. All of a sudden, these pageants take on a whole different meaning. If we, like this person said, if we can see it as metaphor, then all of a sudden these pageants have mm -hmm. so much more depth to them. Mm-hmm. That to me could be pretty exciting. And still so much cuteness. And still, right? yeah, yeah. I love the kids. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, there's always that one little kid that's kind of that, he's yes. a wanderer, and he just goes everywhere. <laughs> and then the one that very much gets into it. Yes. And yes. Yeah. Oh, I embellishes. love the kids. And then you got that one kid that just sits there, kind of goes, and does my Deer in headlights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but going back to this idea then that ties with the idea of metaphor is that if Jesus is 
the new Moses, yeah, then this the rest of uh, of Matthew chapter two ties in perfectly with that and gives further evidence why we have to think rethink how we're reading Matthew chapter two. Yes, in that, for example, Matthew gave Jesus similar but slightly superior biographical details. Mm-hmm. In order to prove to the Jews that Jesus was truly holy, he's, okay. he's a Moses. So think about in Matthew chapter two, you have King Herod who hears from the Magi that the King of Israel has been born. Yes, that creates a threat, and so he goes out and he's going to kill all the baby boys, right? And then take them, and so how is Moses? I mean, how is Jesus saved? He's taken to Egypt to Egypt by his parents. parents. And that's where he finds safe haven. Yeah. Well, Exodus chapter 1. Moses is born. Mm-hmm. The problem is that the Pharaoh believes that life, well, the Jews that he has there in Egypt are just keep having too many kids. And so he's afraid <laughs> that they're going to get so big it's so large, largely populated, yes. and that's the disadvantage of slaves. If you get too many slaves, they might over, turn and overthrow you. Right. So he decides, hey, guess what? Kill them. Kill them all. Kill them all. Mm-hmm. Guess who saved? Moses. Moses. <laughs> right? And Moses is saved, and where does he find his safety? In Egypt. Egypt. In the court of Egypt. Of course. So it's, it, Matthew's going to do this throughout the whole book of, of the writer is going to do this throughout the whole book of Matthew. So. Okay, we, but going back. Yes. If So if the Gentiles don't know of all this uh, backstory of Moses, why is he doing this? I think this is a good time for our next comment that yes. we've had come in. Yeah. The writers of the Gospels all were influenced by what they thought would advance accepted, acceptance of their initiatives of a new way to live. Oh. Each was influenced by their assumptions of their culture based on their experiences, mm-hmm. hence the differences between Luke and Matthew. And what the first sentence for me is what kind of feels like it fits here is that the writers were influenced by what they thought would advance acceptance of their initiatives. Yes. And and that would uh, that would very much make sense to me because Matthew mm-hmm. wants acceptance within the Jewish community. Right. Luke tends to write more for a Gentile community. And so And Matthew is focused on proving Jesus as king. Yes. Fulfillment of prophecy. Yes. Right. And not only king but also the 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 new Moses. Mm-hmm. So, but now let's go back to the Gentile question. And, and if Matthew is relying on Isaiah 60 to tell the story of the wise men, mm-hmm. Isaiah chapter 60 has this idea that in the ideal time, in this utopian moment, mm-hmm. all the nations, all the nations yeah. will come to Israel, mm-hmm. to Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and worship God. Okay. Then, so now you mentioned this idea of, at the very beginning. You were talking about what? Why are you mentioning these? Well, that's what's that's what it does. Okay. If you get the people from the east coming, right? They're finding true wisdom in Jesus. Yeah. And then you go to the very end of Matthew, uh-huh, and there right. it's going. You are eventually to go to all the world. Yes. 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 
And then Jesus tells them to go to the Gentiles. Uh-huh. Make disciples of all nations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how, <laughs> how does that fly today in the 21st century with this emphasis on an interfaith, global sense of acceptance of all religions? I mean, how do you... Matthew wants to build off of what Isaiah was talking about and maybe you're, that one person is right. Maybe it is metaphorical. Mm-hmm. But I think there was, at least in Isaiah's time, and I don't, I'm not sure how long it carried over, but eventually, and we see it today in Christianity, eventually everyone has to be saved by knowing Jesus. Right. So how does that work anymore? In a 21st century interfaith... I think it goes back to if you want to take it literally, because Mm -hmm. is there a literal heaven and hell that you need saving from hell and you need a ticket into heaven? And Mm -hmm. I think that's where when we get really bogged down in taking it literally, then we have to be dismissive of the other religions in order, because then it's not the right path and it's, you're wrong and you're going to go, you know, perish forever. And so I think that's why there's such a, like a zealous push yeah. because they feel honestly that this is literal and your eternity is at stake. And so there's less acceptance of other religions because they're afraid that it's going to impact their eternity. What do you think? I agree. I think um, as Church of the Beatitudes, we are an evolving Christianity, right? So that kind of works for what we're trying to do here. Well, right. So, so then, what relevancy? What is? I mean, think about tennis shoes. Um, okay. The guy over there running the camera. He's got. Uh, are those <laughs> are those Vans you got on? What do you got on there? <laughs> They're what? They're Vans. He's Great. wearing Vans. Okay, I'm wearing nice. uh, ba- Asics. You're wearing Asics. Asics. Nice. I'm wearing Oxfords. I'm not wearing tennis shoes. She's wearing Oxfords. <laughs> <laughs> but but you see what I'm saying is if if this idea that is it all we have all these variety of tennis shoes. Yeah. So is that what religion is? It's just this large variety. And so how do you if you don't take the story literally, then what is the reason for Christianity to continue to exist? Why continue to make Nike? Because Nike rocks. Because Nike rocks. <laughs> if I was going to have tennis shoes on, it'd be Nike. <laughs> so, just so we need to have absolutes. We have to have... Um, isn't that what you're saying? No, I'm not saying that. I'm just asking. Hmm. What, what value is Christianity if, if Christianity is just one of the brands? It's like Nike. And these stories that we find in Matthew chapter mm-hmm. 2... Why keep them? What's the value of continuing to to tell these stories if they're not of any literal value? And if you don't have to... And, and this, again, I understand that for some of our listeners that are being exposed to, to some of the ideas here for the first time, yes. that that can be very, very threatening. This idea that you don't have to, to believe in Jesus and you don't have to take these stories literally. I get it because I was there when I started realizing that taking these stories literally doesn't necessarily mean that I have to walk away from it all. So I think that's the question for me is, 
can we talk about still having great meaning by looking at these stories, as this one person says, more as metaphors? We have another comment, too. Yes. Right. In regard to why we have the tradition of celebrating this event in our pageants each year, traditions can help teaching a message. Mm -hmm. This, of course, requires a good message and what are good, quote, traditions for a life together that we find ourselves today. So an explanation of what this event teaches rather than just performance. Yes. That's what I was going to say. It helps to explain. Yes. Which we need. I mean, that's yes. why we throw all the Magi and the angel and the shepherds and the star and everything. Mm -hmm. We just throw them all into the major and <laughs> the nativity scene. Right. <laughs> well, and I think. More bang for the buck. Right. <laughs> and I think that's why, you know, Disney is so smart in continuing mm -hmm. to tell these fairy tales yes that's why you you know the i was taught the fairy tales my grandkids are being taught these fairy tales yes because there are like this person said there are still great lessons truths to be known yes like santa yeah yeah well <laughs> okay <laughs> not I, not so I, why? emotionally i love <laughs> santa emotionally yes, yes. But Damn. there's things about Santa that scare me. I have very controversial views on Santa. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, he, he kind of... Explain. Um, that one song. Oh. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're <laughs> awake. He knows when you've been bad or good. Uh-huh. No, that... Okay. <laughs> Alice, <laughs> Alice, Alice Cooper... <laughs> created a video of that song oh he did yeah it is not safe for kids <laughs> <laughs> okay. i'm gonna need to go watch it i think so i mean <laughs> it is it is like scary santa claus I mean, but i think that's what and you could even say the same thing about some of the stories that we find in the bible about god Such you as. get a scary god well well yeah yeah god knows i mean so we were talking about earlier another group where we were talking about elf on the shelf Oh, and this elf is <laughs> is on right. the shelf watching the kids and uh huh. That's a little creepy. Man, if I was a kid, I'd get some black paint and I'd <laughs> make that elf not be able to see. <laughs> but I, you know, I think that's where it comes back to. Maybe it, it it's so we're we're trying. We have been trying for decades, and well, no, I, I take that even further back. The early church fathers, you look at like Augustine, he read all of this stuff as allegory. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we just literalized it all. And I think we have a responsibility as, as, a, as a segment of Christianity yeah. to offer a different way of looking at the Bible, which in my opinion is actually more accurate, as we've seen in Matthew chapter 2, is, mm -hmm. as a metaphor and not to be read literally. Right. And then we need to show them the value of that. Yeah. The, yeah. Take it a step further. Yeah. I mean, think about that. When, what they, they saw in what Jesus was about, mm -hmm. they saw in him someone that was so amazing. Yeah. In the way that he treated people, the way he treated them. Uh, the way that, that some of the things that he was saying, and even 
I mean, we know that all of his sayings weren't necessarily original to Jesus. I mean, there was other, these small little pithy sayings, they were going around. So it's not right. like Jesus came up with it all on his own. Right. But I think what made Jesus, in my perspective, unique is he could take these sayings yeah. and he lived them out. Right. Walk the walk. Yeah. Right. And I think that's where to realize the impact that these people that Jesus had on them yeah. and not just on them that lived with him, yeah. but generations later, they were still telling the stories Same and they stories. decided to write them down. Yeah, they were that significant. Yeah, so to think about the influence that one human being yeah. had upon those that were around him that to me shows the power that was within each of us as human beings mm, nice to make a difference right and to be that kind of influence on other people so whoever our commenter on this next one is must have been reading my mind okay because i was actually kind of thinking the same along the same lines and so i'm going to read their comment but mm -hmm. i'm going to piggyback okay ride the horse Hell and heaven were there to control and aggrandize the following of Christianity. Oh, they added another one, so it moved up. Sorry, I lost my place. And then at one time, the Roman Catholics even tried to make their followers more special by saying to their followers could only be saved because they didn't know the way to be saved like the Roman Catholics did. Mm -hmm. uh, they also added that their understanding is that the Jews of that culture did not have an afterlife in their belief system. But I think that when to go back to original where I was going to kind of piggyback with this person, my thoughts were, you know, once the, it seems to be that it started to be taken literally and used literally when it was started to use as control. Yes. So mm -hmm. the Roman Catholics did it. Uh, the evangelicals, the Protestants uh, decided to take that on in their own form, mm -hmm. but the literal translation started to come in when there was money involved and power involved. Mm -hmm. And when you yeah. take those pieces out, then it becomes less literal. Um, well, yes. But I don't think it started with the Gentiles and the Roman Catholic Church. Well, using religion to control people exactly. goes way yeah. back. I, yeah. And <laughs> I think and I think from a from a gospel yes. standpoint going further, yeah. um, once we hit, you know, the Catholics and the Reformation and the Protestants use mm -hmm. finding their own way to do it. Um, that's when this version that we have today, I feel really yeah. kind of came into play. Well, and I think it ties that charity, that idea ties in perfectly with the reason why many Christians, many religious people mm -hmm. do not believe that atheists are moral individuals. Explain. The idea of being moral without a belief in God mm -hmm. to them is foreign. Right. And I think these texts point out to us that morality does not have to be, like you were saying, fear-based. Right. Mor morality does not have to have this sense of other people trying to use their power and control, as you pointed out, on us. Well, it but, also is more genuine, I think, when it's not fear-based and it comes from an internal mm -hmm. place rather than an external place. Yes. And unfortunately, um, in our current environment, uh, many politicians 
are using fear. Oh yeah. To create people. <laughs> I mean, that's a to, great motivator. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. we, we saw it in this election cycle. Right. Um, where sides were saying, you know, if you four more years of this person or four more years of that person, mm -hmm. look how terrible life is going to be. And, and so fear is that great motivator. And if you mm -hmm. can take this story literal, like you, you pointed out, um, it, it went, but again, we take it literal when we want. Well, we have a comment too. Yes. Literal thinking is the death of imagination. Ooh. And imagination oh. is the lifeblood of spirituality. Ooh. We need to invite that person on the podcast. <laughs> I think I've just been replaced. That is awesome. That's profound. That's really powerful. And I think that's a great place to end this. Yeah. I mean, read it one more time, Charity. Literal thinking is the death of imagination. And imagination is the lifeblood of spirituality. Yeah. I, I like the last yeah. part probably because... Read the first line again. Literal. Literal thinking is the death of imagination. Well, see, I could imagine that if I jump off a building, I'll, be, I'll fly. And if I don't believe in <laughs> gravity, which is literal, then... Yes. But I think in the, what I liked is what they said at the very end. And that last line again, one more time. Imagination is the lifeblood yeah, of spirituality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. to me, is the power. Yeah. Yes. In the realm of spirituality, yes. Yes. Well, our time has come to a close. I can't believe how fast this time went. Right? It just went. Whew. So <laughs> um, we will be doing this two more times. Great. And we're going to be starting Luke chapter 1 okay. next Sunday at 1015. And mm -hmm. again, if, if those of you who are listening to this either live or at a later time, if you would like to join us, again, you can find us on Facebook or YouTube through the Beatitudes Church, yes. as well as 480-389-4974. You can text in any of your comments. And for those who did comment, thank, thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this, um, and if you, if you know of anyone else that you think might enjoy this as we continue through this Christmas season, please feel free to share this with them or invite them to be a part of this. Janelle, mm -hmm. thank you. You're welcome. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Charity, the enigma. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. And again, thank you to our uh, to our crew that puts this together, Ryan, Andrea, and Cameron. Thank you all. Yes. And have a wonderful day. And please, for everyone, if you're listening in the, in the United States or if you're listening anywhere else in the world, Please, please, please be safe. Wear your mask, yes. social distancing. This is a perfect way to give a gift to another human being during Christmas. Protect yourself by protecting, I mean, you protect other people by protecting yourself. So Very take care. Good. Bye.